Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shortliff. The show is heard on WBCQ of the Planet every Monday night and Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Broadcast out of... WBCQ The Planet, Monticello, Maine, in beautiful Arista County. Uh, it's brought to you by Camp Constitution, which, among other things, runs a week-long family camp, and we very much hope to hold a camp this year. Many organizations have already canceled their summer camps and other uh, summer activities, parades and rallies, etc., but we still plan to have it. It's going to be held, God willing, at the Singing Hills Christian Camp and Conference Center from July 19th to July 24th in Plainfield, New Hampshire, which is about an hour north and east of Concord, pretty close to the, actually, the Connecticut River and the Vermont border. And uh, to learn more about the camp, visit our website. If you register before, uh, on or before, June 1st, you get a $50 discount off our already low prices. And if for some reason beyond uh, beyond our control, the camp has to be canceled, everybody will get a full refund. And if you can't make it to camp, but would love to help a worthy family or a worthy camper uh, towards their tuition, please uh, make a donation. You can do that by visiting our website, campconstitution.net. And uh, there's a PayPal there, or you can simply make a check out to Camp Constitution and forward it to the address you see uh, when you press contact. Uh, Well, today is Memorial Day 2020. This is a day that we honor those men and women who have fallen for uh, our nation's wars. And I think we also honor past veterans who may not have died in, in, in battle, but also have, uh, have served their country honorably and have passed. Uh, that would include my dad, who was born in 1912. Well, he'd be 108 if he were alive today. And he um, served as a National Guardsman before World War II. And then in World War II, he was in North Africa, Sicily, Italy, and eventually to Germany. And then he got out and uh, married. Of course, he had he was in his 40s when he had me. So anyway, um, I the history of Memorial Day, it started at, with Decoration Day. And this is um, actually Confederate, uh, the Confederates, um, the family members of Confederates who had passed uh, would decorate the graves. Uh, they used the glorious dead as uh, the, the line in Gone with the Wind. But uh, then it became, at some point, they changed it to Memorial Day. And uh, James Garfield, who was uh, our 20th president, but before he became president, he was a very interesting man. He was uh, the last of the log cabin presidents. He was the last president who was actually born in a log cabin. And I actually visited the site where there's a replica cabin in a little town just uh, a little south and east of Cleveland. 
he ended up living in Mentor, where his home is a National Historic Site. I got a chance to visit that site at one point. And he um, gave the first speech at the Arlington National Cemetery. Oh, he was also the first, the first, oh, he was the only ordained minister who became a um, president. And for you trivia buffs out there, he was also the first left-handed president. And sadly, he served only a short time. At within three months of his inauguration, he was uh, shot, and he lingered on for a little while, about a month and a half, and died. And it was uh, very tragic. Anyway, uh, he also was a Civil War soldier. He had didn't have a lot of military experience, but he got it pretty quickly, and he ended up becoming a, a general in the Civil War. Then he ran for Congress. And at the time he read this speech, he was a member of Congress, and he gave this speech at what was considered the very first Decoration Day. And if I can get, I had it right in front of me, and then I lost it here. I'm using a backup computer that um, that doesn't always work so well. And hopefully, here we go. I hope, yeah, here we go. Okay, so. He gave this speech May 30th of 1868. On May 30th, 1868, a crowd of more than 5,000 gathered at Arlington National Cemetery for the first Decoration Day, now known as Memorial Day, exercises. Before strewing flowers upon the graves of the dead, the crowd listened to an address by James Abram Garfield. And he was born in 1831, died in 1881 then an Ohio congressman who had served as a Union Major General during the Civil War. In the first of such annual addresses at Arlington National Cemetery and across the nation, Garfield set a standard by explaining what Decoration Day is all about and why it should be commemorated. Garfield was elected the 20th President of the United States in 1880. He served just four months in office before being shot by an assassin on July 2, 1881. He lingered for the next 80 days, dying at age 49 on September 19th, 1881. And here is the speech, not a very long speech. So, I am oppressed with a sense of the impropriety of uttering words on this occasion. If silence is ever golden, it must be here beside the graves of 15,000 men whose lives were more significant than speech and whose death was a poem, the music of which can never be sung. With words we make promises, like faith, praise virtue. Promises may not be kept, Plighted faith may be broken and vaunted virtue by only the cunning mask of vice. We do not know one promise these men made, one pledge they gave, one word they spoke, but we do know they summed up and perfected by one supreme act the highest virtues of men and citizens. For love of country, they accepted death and thus resolved all doubts and made immortal their patriotism and their virtue. For the noblest man that lives, there still remains a conflict. He must still withstand the assaults of time and fortune must still be assailed with temptations before which lofty nature has fallen. But with these, the conflict ended. The victory is won. When death stamped on them, the great seal of heroic character enclosed a record which years can never blot. I know nothing more appropriate on this occasion than to inquire what brought these men here, what high motive led them to condense life into an hour and to crowd that hour by joyfully welcoming death. Let us consider... <clears throat> Eight years ago, <clears throat> this was the most unwarlike nation on earth. For nearly 50 years, no spot in any of these states 
had been the scene of battle. Thirty millions of people had an army of less than 10,000 men. The faith of our people in the stability and permanence of institutions was like the faith in their eternal course of nature. Peace, liberty, and personal security were blessings as common and universal as sunshine and showers and fruitful seasons. And all sprang from a single source, the old American principle that all owe due submission and obedience to the lawfully expressed will of the majority. This is not one of the doctrines of a political system. It is the system itself. It is our political firmament in which all others' truths are set as stars in heaven. In the encasing air, the breath of a nation's life, against this principle, the whole weight of the rebellion was thrown. Its overthrow would have brought such ruin as might follow the physical nature if the power of gravitation were destroyed and, and he's quoting, uh, nature's conquered broke among the constellations war were sprung. Two planets rushing from aspect malign of fiercest opposition in mid-sky should combat and their jarring spheres confound. The nation was summoned to arms by every high motive which can inspire men. Two centuries of freedom had made its people unfit for despotism. They must save the government or miserably perish. As a flash of lightning in the midnight tempest reveals the abysmal horrors of the sea, so did the flash of the first gun disclose the awful abyss in which rebellion was ready to plunge us. In a moment, the fire was lighted in 20 million hearts. In a moment, we were the most warlike nation on the earth. In a moment, we were not merely a people with an army, we were a people in arms. The nation was in column, not all at the front, but all in the array. I love to believe that no heroic sacrifice is ever lost, that the characters of men are molded and inspired by what their fathers have done, that treasured up in American souls are all the unconscious influences of the great deeds of the Anglo-Saxon race. From Agincourt to Bunker Hill, it was such an influence that led a young Greek 2,000 years ago when Mussing's on the Battle of Marathon to explain, the trophies of Miltiades will not let me sleep. Could these men be silent in 1861? These whose ancestors had felt the inspiration of battle on every field where civilization has fought, had fought in the last thousand years. Read their answer in this green turf. Each for himself gathered up the cherished purposes of life its aims and ambitions, its dearest affections, and flung all with life into itself into the scales of battle. <clears throat> and that was that. Um, and it, um, that speech, by the way, uh, you can go to our website, our blog, and you can read it from there. I actually had a link to uh, the speech from the Garfield uh, historic site, uh, but they took it down, maybe because it's not all that PC he makes reference to the Anglo-Saxon race. Uh, Garfield was a very strong uh, abolitionist, and he had no use for slavery. In fact, he actually knew my uh, ancestor of mine, uh, General Giles Waldo Shirtliff, who uh, led the first all-black regiment called the Ohio Fifth Colored. Um, they were friends, and in fact, uh, Garfield would visit um, my ancestor at his home and. um Ohio and Oberlin, Ohio, where he led, eventually became, he was a student and eventually became a professor there. <clears throat> and in Oberlin is a statue to my worthy ancestor, uh, <clears throat> General Guile Shirtliff, another staunch abolitionist. In fact, um, he knew uh, some. He knew um, Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass actually recruited for him. And I want to uh, shout out. Uh, I learned that our good friend. Pastor Garrett Lear, the Patriot Pastor, is uh, related to James Garfield. Now, it's interesting that here we 
Today we celebrate and honor those who died for the country and the country that stands for freedom, liberty, justice. That's not always the case, but <clears throat> those are the ideals and goals that we should inspire or to try for that people, that people do have freedoms. We have freedoms that we don't even think about. You know, uh, you know I remember one time, not just freedoms, but we have just so much opportunities and so much uh, things we just take for granted. I remember one morning I was in Vermont. It was something like 25 below zero, and I was in a motel and still had a hot shower and a nice hot breakfast, and my car started right up. And I'm just thinking how it must have been 200 years ago 100, or 100 years ago when these luxuries that we take for granted were uh, a rarity. You, know, you just didn't take a hot shower 100 years ago. You didn't get into a car that would start up because of the technology. It would thrive in uh, sub-zero weather. Um, but lately, uh, it looks like some too many people have decided that freedom isn't now all that important because how quickly in the in the uh, panic in the panic of uh, the pandemic, uh, people think the Constitution is not valid anymore, and we're going to rule by decree, and they're okay with that. Uh, but I think that when this pandemic first hit, uh, there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of misinformation. Uh, people, we thought that you got it, you were going to die. Uh, there was not much hope for you and that people were just dying on the streets of China. And I think it needs to be pointed out. This is what another thing that sickens me to no end is that this virus started in China. Now, I'm not blaming people of Chinese ancestry. They had, they had nothing to do with it. So this narrative that it's racism to make reference to China is a communist lie and we need to stop telling communist lies. We need to stop promoting communist propaganda. I don't care who you are, whether you're Republican or Democrat or whatever, you should stop promoting lies. Okay. Uh, it was originated in Wuhan, and the first story was it was in a wet market, which is a pretty disgusting place where you buy uh, weird types of food, or weird to us, uh, you know, monkey brains and crazy things like that, bats. And uh, it, you know, very unsanitary conditions, um, and that's where it started. Somebody had ate a bat and they got sick, and it just got out of hand. Well, we know that's a lie. We know that there's a uh, biological lab in Wuhan. We know that there's been lots of money coming from the United States to fund it. So there's a lot of research there. So the the, the virus uh, somehow escaped the lab. We don't know if it was done deliberately or by accident. The Chinese Communist government knew about it, knew it's, that it could be spread person to person, and simply lied about it. In fact, there were a number of Chinese doctors that came out to say something about this back in, I think it was early December. And they were told to keep their mouth shut. They, were, they had to repent or recant. And of course, uh, within so much time, the Chinese realized that, uh, yeah, okay, we can't, we can't lie anymore. We got to tell people the truth. And they were rehabilitated. But that just shows you how vile, what a vile and evil government communist China is. And let's stop pretending that we can be nice to them and we can trade with them and they'll be, they'll be better. They'll be more capitalistic and they won't be as aggressive. That's another lie. It's the nature of a communist to lie, to cheat to murder they don't see it they don't see it as it's anything that advances the communist chinese party is good noble and anything that doesn't is evil that's how they look at the world so let's stop fooling ourselves 
Yeah, I know that some people might um, who are in the party don't really believe the principles. They do it because they have to. They think they have to, and they have no way out, and that's the only way they can survive. So they aggressively promote the policies. But bottom line is that communists don't change. You can trust the communists to be communists, as uh, was pointed out in the book many years ago by uh, Fred Schwartz of the, I think it was called the Christian Anti-Communist Crusade. Um, so the virus, uh, the Chinese communists knew, uh, and they were still celebrating events, and lots and lots of people from Wuhan, which is a large city, I don't know the population, I think it's what, 10 million, maybe more, uh, they were traveling all over the world. Yeah, they came to Italy. Who, who knew that they have some very large Chinese colonies in Italy? In fact, they have colonies all over the world. You know, they got their filthy communist hands in, uh, in the, all over the world, the United States, uh, South Africa, Northern Africa, just everywhere, Europe, uh, Italy, whatever, all over. And then it spread. And uh, one of the first things that President Trump did was to stop all, or not all, but most flights from China to the United States. And for that, he was called a racist. And anyone who was buying into that was a racist. So here we are uh, into the lockdown where uh, the number of cases has been going down considerably. And most of the victims, unfortunately, were people in their 70s or more, 80s. I think the average age of the victim was early 80s. As people get older, their immune systems aren't as strong. Uh, Also, if you're in a nursing home where it spread pretty quickly, it's sort of almost like a death camp. So most of these victims of the coronavirus uh, were people in nursing homes, or those who, who had uh, pre-existing conditions. Yes, there were some examples of people who were relatively good health died, but that was that was uh, that was unusual. That was not um, that was that was the exception, not the rule. I live in Massachusetts, where it's the worst state. Uh, our governor Baker will it will I think uh, between Baker and these crazy lefty mayors <clears throat> and town managers, they'd keep this the state on permanent lockdown just because they want to tank the economy. So they think that they can get uh, this nitwit, uh, Joe Biden, uh, elected. And I say nitwit, I'm not making fun of a man who has some type of, uh, he may have had a stroke or he has dementia or whatever it is. That's nothing to be to joke about. He's a nitwit because he bought in a man who had all the opportunities in the world he used the, the American system, the freedoms, to, uh, to become wealthy, successful. And what, did he, what does he do? He promotes socialism. He promotes, and he actually wrote an article on how he came to accept the new world order. That man is not fit to serve as president. He's not fit to serve as a parking lot attendant. In fact, no, no uh, and I don't mean to uh, disparage parking lot attendants, nothing wrong with that. Uh, he is a wicked man. He supports abortion while claiming to be a Catholic. He needs to be rejected, everything he stands for. And, he, and the narrative here is that, that somehow Trump didn't act soon enough. And he, his um, Center for Disease Control, well, it's not like Trump became president and he went to, down to Atlanta and fired everybody that worked for the CDC <clears throat> and hired his cronies. That's not how it works, folks. Um, the civil servants, as General Patton said, are like broken cannons. They don't work, and you can't fire them. Fauci had been there for a long time, and Fauci was a Hillary Clinton supporter. Now, you know, as President of the United States, he can't just fire everybody. He can, 
he can he has cabinet people he can fire uh, and appoint. That's his prerogative. But many many jobs uh, he cannot appoint. He has no control over, or little control over. And the CDC is really a, a separate entity. It's not like he can go in there and just fire everybody. <clears throat> so it's somehow his fault that he should have expected that. Maybe he, if he watched a couple of Hollywood movies, he would have had a million ventilators and um, 100 million masks or whatever in, in, um, uh, in storage ready for a pandemic. And he should have shot, the minute he became president, he should have shut the country down because we knew that it was going to happen because Fauci said in 2017 that there's going to likelihood of a pandemic. Well, how did Fauci know that? Uh, in 2017, you know, if, if he knew something, then he <laughs> then maybe it was more of a pandemic than an epidemic or a pandemic. So, uh, but now here, uh, where where the the so-called curve has flattened, that was the whole goal. And now it's well, anybody can get it. Now everybody is the potential carrier because you can be asymptomatic and still have it. So you have to wear a mask when you walk outside your door or when you walk into a store. So now you have governors and mayors and aldermen and what have you putting steep fines. Now, in some cases, they've been lifted. In some states, they reopened. And, of course, we were told that when Florida reopens and Georgia and Texas, oh, my goodness, it's going to be a big spike. People are going to die. Well, it ain't happening. But you see, I think these would-be masters know that, they, that what they did was wrong, that this complete shutdown was wrong, and they can't admit it. It would be political suicide. So they continue with the farce, and they get worse. Nashua, New Hampshire, is a little city uh, just over the Massachusetts border. They uh, today, I think, uh, I think today or tomorrow, the mask ordinance, a thousand dollar fine, a thousand dollars. So you're now you're out of a job. Your business may not reopen. You still have to pay your mortgage. You have to pay your rent if you if you have a business and don't own the building. You've got to pay your car payments. You have to pay your gas bill, light bill. And if you're wearing a mask that is useless, in fact, most of these masks, and I can share an, exa- uh, an experience I had recently had, but no matter, you're going to pay a $1,000 fine. Well, of course, I hope that these fines are known for it. I think we should fine these all the men for trashing the Constitution. Uh, so the whole state of Massachusetts the same thing, and I have um, not worn the mask. I have a one, one. Uh, I actually do one or two times. I have a an army gas mask that was similar to the one we used when I was in the army, and I went into the post office where I'm friendly with it, and I didn't want to make a scene, so I put the gas mask on for about a minute or two, as might be, you know, transacting. But that was it. I've been in there a lot of times since, and no one has said a word. I was kicked out of a local family dollar after I went in there. And it's hard to hear people when they've got masks on. And you're not supposed to boo, boo, boo. I said, I can't understand you. I don't speak muffle. Uh, but I didn't want to make a scene. But the, uh, the other day, just yesterday, there was a nice lady that lives uh, very close to us. She, was, um, she had some bookcases. And the bookcases were, uh, we need some bookcases for our learning center. And she was, I think she's probably in her 40s, and uh, she's a little concerned. She has an elderly mother, and she visits, so she is a little, a little more precautious than most. So she said, well, if you want to come in and to get these bookcases, you're going to have to have a mask on and, and gloves. So I said, okay. So went in there with my son, and I put on one of the masks and get down to the basement. And it's like a lot of basements in the northeast, you know, a little musty. 
and the, the, I discovered that these bookcases uh, had mold. They'd been down there for a long, like 20 years. So they had mold on them. And they weren't, I just, so she asked if we would take them out, you know, so she could toss them out. And she said, oh, we'll take them. It was kind of a difficult job. So as we're moving, there's some, um, there's some uh, stuff from the mortar, you know, the powder from that, like, like our basement, you know, the mortar comes down and dries up. And there would, uh, it was dust as we were moving it. And there was, uh, that mask did absolutely nothing. So I just, I, uh, I'm wearing this mask, you know, of course I've got my saliva and I, 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 I'm a, a, it's a little bit of a workout because these, these were big bookshelves and the narrow way and to get it out and they were breaking and the, the stuff was fiberboard and it was breaking as we were moving it up the stairs. And, um, I just said, this, this mask was totally useless. In fact, it wasn't only useless, it was counterproductive because I, I couldn't breathe and it wasn't blocking any of the dust. I'm thinking, gee, if this can't block dust, it's certainly not going to block a virus, which is a whole lot smaller than the dust, you know. But we're wearing them anyway. All these, not we, me, but all these people are wearing them, walking around, think there's, and then they look at, man, oh, they'll cross the street, they'll zigzag. And I think some people know it's nonsense. But other people, that their husband and wife, they're masked up, their little kids are masked up as they're walking. It's almost like they are proud of their servitude, that we like being servants. We like to obey. And I know my wife mentioned this to me about a month ago, and I, uh, I have to agree. She said, I'm wondering if these, uh, these, uh, these officials who are passing these orders, I wonder when they get together, do they get a good laugh out of how quickly a lot of Americans comply? I said, oh, I don't doubt it for a minute. I'm sure they're sitting back saying, look at these fools. My goodness, they pro- they're laughing. And at the same time, they have contempt and disgust for the people that they serve. And again, and now they're, they're opening up a beach, but you can't swim. And in one beach in the town of Hull, H-U-L-L, Massachusetts, um, no ice cream trucks. And they almost decided not to have people, not allow people to wear bathing suits. So I'm thinking, okay, you're at a beach. It's in the summertime. It's in the 80s. And you can't wear a bathing suit. You can't buy ice cream from the ice cream truck. I'm thinking, what these people, where do they come up with these ideas? It's amazing how they're getting away with it. And don't play volleyball. You got to wear a mask when you're on the beach. So you're sunbathing and you're wearing a mask. No, you know what? Well, who would want to go to the beach like that? And churches, you know, churches have not were not considered essential. And just uh, it was two days ago, or maybe three days ago, Donald Trump announced that. Uh, churches are opening up doesn't matter they're still cracking down on the churches and there's a uh, but there have been a lot of pastors and congregants that have defied these ridiculous policies but quite frankly i am not going to go to into a church uh, and wear a mask during a service uh you got, if you've got a pre-existing condition if you want to wear a mask if you you know if you've got some notion that this is going to help fine wear the mask but don't ask me to wear one in a church i'm not sick and I'm not going to sit there in the pew listening to a sermon with the pastor with a mask on. I got it. It's silly. It's ridiculous, you know. And um, but but even when the churches do this, and there's a church here in Worcester, Massachusetts. There's a church in Dedham, not too not, not right next door where I live in in Boston, that decided to hold services. So, uh, but they're getting arrested. They're getting fined. Uh, t- and even again, even when they comply, the social distancing, they've got gloves on, they've got masks on, 
They've got, uh, they've bought these expensive air purifiers. Doesn't matter. It's all about the state. They want to shut the churches down. These socialists, these, and, and you know, one of the things I notice is that the left-wing churches aren't saying a peep. At, you know, leaders in these left-wing churches with their rainbow flags, not a peep. They're complete, they're fine with it, you see. Uh, those are the churches that should, I hope never reopen. These churches, these leftist churches that promote uh, doctrines that are helping to destroy our country and leading people down the wrong path. Anyway, we just got a couple more minutes left, and I can, uh, once I'm on a roll, I can go on forever here, but uh, I think you've heard, you've heard enough of that. I am optimistic, though, that we will come out of this, say guardedly optimistic, that we're going to come out of this stronger than ever. And I think that the American people uh, will realize that they've been duped and they've been had. Now, again, I'm not discounting the thousands of people who have died from this virus. Uh, what I'm ta- discounting is the ridiculous, extreme measures that have been taken to, and allegedly to, to prevent the uh, further outbreak. That's the issue here. We've been, <clears throat> our nation, we've had yellow fever, we've had malaria, we've had smallpox, we've had various types of flus, Spanish influenza, we had uh, swine flu and all kinds of other things, and we survived it without destroying the economy and causing uh, this lockdown is actually worse. You know, the antidote is worse than the than the the, the, the cure is worse than the uh, the actual illness. People are losing their immune system. They're committing suicide. There's spousal abuse. All kinds of th- negative things that go along with it. So anyway, I want to thank you for listening. Again, uh, I, we salute the heroic men and women that have lost their lives for their country. Uh, this Memorial Day. And until next week, may God richly bless you. You've been listening to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtless, on WBCQ The Planet. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.